Developing and maintaining unity can forever change a family, team, organization, and ward or branch and relief society. This is because with unity comes incredible power to do good and accomplish exponentially more than an individual could do on his or her own. Today, we will learn from the life and teachings of a former Relief Society general board member named Louise Madsen, who taught that unity with each other and with God gives us power. Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the inspiring stories and teachings of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Carly Guyman, and I'm here with Shaylin Back. We're your co-hosts. Thanks for joining us today. As a reminder, in this season of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, we're learning from the lives and teachings of women featured in the book At the Pulpit, which is a church publication available online and in the Gospel Library app. To discuss Louise Madsen's life and her talk, Union of Feeling, we're very excited to welcome Matt McBride with us. Hi, Matt. Hello. It's great to be here. Matt McBride is the Director of Publications for the Church History Department and a graduate student in American History at the University of Utah. He is the author of A House for the Most High, The Story of the Original Nauvoo Temple, and co-editor of Revelations in Context, The Stories Behind the Sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. He has published in the Enzyme and also the Journal of Mormon History, and he lives in American Fork, Utah with his wife, Mary, and their four children. So, Matt, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. We know that you're involved in some very interesting projects in church history. Would you mind just sharing some of your current projects? You bet. One project that not as many people will have heard of is a project we call the Global Histories, which are available in the church history section of the Gospel Library app. Uh, And we're uh, publishing new histories uh, in that section every month. You'll learn about women like Priscilla Sampson Davis in Ghana, who played, uh, was prompted to translate hymns into her uh, local languages so that the members that she was seeing in sacramenting who weren't participating in, in singing hymns would be able to do so. You'll learn about a woman named uh, Carmen O'Donnell, who was one of the first converts to the church in Guatemala, married a, an expatriate American who was there, uh, joined the church, and really made some significant contributions to things that we take for granted in our, in our lives as Latter-day Saints today. Uh, and so there are women in every part of the world that make really key contributions to to the church. And that's that's one of the things that you'll learn as you look through those global histories. So we want to dive into our discussion today about Louise Madsen, her life and, and her teachings about unity in this talk, Union of Feeling. So Matt, can you introduce us to Louise Madsen? Who is she? What do we know about her life and what shaped her and what her contributions were in the church? She is a Relief Society woman through and through and, and devoted almost her entire adult life to, to service to the Relief Society, both at a local level and then really for over a quarter century at a general level. She's the descendant of pioneers. She's, um, I think, Parley P. Pratt's great-granddaughter or great-great-granddaughter and grows up with this love for the Relief Society that's instilled in her. In 1947, she's uh, made a member of the general board uh, of the Relief Society. And then in, I think, 58, she beca- she's called as the second counselor in the Relief Society general presidency, uh, serving with Bell Spafford. And Bell Spafford has the longest term as a Relief Society president of anyone in the history of the church. And Louise Madsen's there for a significant part of her presidency as a, as a counselor and a support. And she's a member of almost every committee at, at one point or another that there is within the Relief Society board. 
One of her important contributions in the about the late 1960s was she received an assignment to look at a nursery program for the church. And so the nursery program we have today really kind of got its start with Louise Madsen's help. And she was instrumental in creating the first materials, the first manual for the nursery in, I think, 1968. We owe a lot to Louise. Yes, we are <laughs> so yes, grateful for her efforts. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, can you provide some broader historical context for this time, just the time that the discourse was given and why the theme of unity was particularly significant in this time, you know, in the church and, and just in history in general? This talk on union of feeling comes at an interesting time in the, in the history of the United States, which was maybe the immediate context for, for her remarks. It's a time where there's a lot of racial division. It's at a time where there is a, a, a deepening political divide in the United States. It's a time where there's there's there there's a real contest over over the direction of the nation. There are these forces at work that really, in a lot of ways, are still at work in the world we live in now that really were tending to divide people. There's a lot of relevance there, I think, for the moment we're in right now where we tend to really emphasize our differences more than anything. And so this this is a plea from Sister Madsen to say, let's take a step back and look past some of those differences and, and learn something important that the Lord wants us to understand, that Joseph Smith wanted the Relief Society to understand in its early history, and that's very applicable to the situation we find ourselves in, which is that there's power that comes from being able to act in unity, to be able to emphasize what we have in common, what our common goals are, rather than focusing constantly on identity politics or divisive things or, or, or whatever it is that might be kind of threatening to, to pull us apart. Sounds very relevant to today, right? I think sometimes we think our era is especially unique or we're facing challenges that other people have never faced before, which in some ways I think is true, but I think overall these, this is a, a human challenge that in every time has always been a, an issue. So, Matt, we'd like to transition now to discuss some of the major themes and messages from Louise's talk about unity. And recognizing that some of our listeners may have already read this talk and be familiar with it, others may have not read it yet and might not have an opportunity to do so. So let's talk about some things that stood out to you or some messages that we could take home on this topic of unity. Well, one thing that I love about this talk is the fact that she starts with this statement by, that Joseph Smith made in addressing the Relief Society in Nauvoo in 1842. And this is something that we find in the minutes, those precious minutes of the Nauvoo Relief Society. One of the statements of the Prophet Joseph Smith to Relief Society, which has great and continuing significance, is, by union of feeling, we obtain power with God. This is an expression of the principle of unity which shows how it works to fulfill purposes. This is the restored gospel of Jesus Christ at its best. This is the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at its best. It's something that Joseph Smith emphasized throughout his life. It's something that's just baked into the fabric of the Relief Society, this idea that you know we're coming together and we have identified some really important shared goals. And then we have a, a testimony in a sense of a divine commission, of a work that God wants us to do, and that it's, it's through coming together that we accomplish the work. And of course, the gospel offers to, a lot to us as individuals, and we sometimes tend to emphasize the individual nature of gospel teaching and, and our own agency and freedoms and, and choices. The, the fact that we have to kind of work out our own salvation and be self-reliant, and those are all true enough. But it's also true that 
you know, we're, we're working together to try to save God's family. And it's the, the, those ideas of community, the sense of community and the way that the gospel brought people together uh, under Joseph Smith's leadership, under Eliza R. Snow's leadership, under President Nelson's leadership, and brought the Relief Society together under the leadership of people like Bell Spafford and Louise Madsen to accomplish a work that is just really a, a signature of the restored church. Just as you were talking, something that I was thinking about is this, you know, history of unity and, and that it's such a, a strong theme throughout the restoration of the church. So I served my mission in Kirtland, and it just reminded me that the Lord, he, it's in the Doctrine and Covenants, he asks the people to be gathered unto him as a righteous people. And he says, go to Ohio and receive my law, and there you will be endowed with power from on high. And so these early saints that were gathered together, they were learning the gospel together. They were receiving revelation together. They were making and keeping covenants together. And then the power that they received, I mean, specifically in this context, it is, you know, an endowment of power from the temple, but it's also just power to serve others despite their own challenges and limitations. It's the power to be faithful during difficult times and the power to really build this restored church. And so I just think that is such a neat concept that when we can be united we can have power in that unity. The message, too, that Louise Madchen shares is that we've been successful in being unified, and we know that because of the work we've accomplished. She can look back on her own experience as a board member and see that. And one, one of the cool stories that happens during her time, so she, she becomes a board member in 1947, and that's right at the moment when Bell Spafford received permission from the First Presidency to start to collect funds to build the Relief Society building in Salt Lake. So up to that point, they didn't have kind of their own building. Uh, as central a, as a, location. A cent- central location to, to host the offices of the, the general presidency and the general board. They had been using some space in the bishop's building where the presiding bishopric met. And Bell Spafford asked the first presidency, is this something you know that you would support? And what happened was they, they went out in starting in 47 with Louise Madsen as a board member, and she would have been involved in all of this. But they each Relief Society member throughout the, uh, throughout the world to donate, except for in war-torn Europe, like, uh, which is now recovering from the, the after effects of World War II, uh, to donate $5 a piece. And at that time, there were about 100,000 members of the Relief Society in the world. And the First Presidency agreed to, to match dollar for dollar those contributions of these women. And so they spent a few years gathering money, and, and they, uh, this is something they talked about and in the Relief Society magazine. They'd send them certificates. They'd talk about all the different activities that these women did to raise their $5 to pay their subscription to help uh, construct the building. And then all the money uh, was brought together, and they, they were able to uh, hire the architect and excavate and, and build the, the building that's there. And it was dedicated in 1956. So this is, this is something that Sister Madsen would have seen in her own experience. Every member of the Relief Society in the entire world chipping in just one small little contribution, just $5 each, uh, sometimes through selling eggs, like that their chickens had, had laid. Sometimes it was through holding a bazaar, selling a quilt, uh, doing a bake sale, whatever it was, they, they were able to pull together enough money to, to, to build that beautiful building. And it's a, that's like a, a monument to this idea of unity and how every woman in the Relief Society could come together in her own way to make her own small contribution and accomplish something really great. 
I'm so glad that you shared that. First of all, I didn't know that history of the Relief Society building. But second of all, this idea of unity. So there, on one hand, it's being unified in your own Relief Society groups and in your own wards. But then there's this unity of being part of a worldwide sisterhood. And so my question is, how do we this concept of unity of, of the Relief Society as a whole, how do we achieve that? And I think this is such a great example of that. There was how many Relief Society members at that time? A quarter of a million Relief Society members. And so it's like, they don't they don't know each other. They're spread worldwide. And yet they were brought together by this one goal and this one thing that they were both, that they were all working so hard to accomplish together. So my, my question again is, what are some other ways that sisters worldwide can feel unified? Louise Madsen does, I think, say something really profound in her talk to the to this point. She says, the strength of an organization dedicating itself to good, fitting itself for what needs to be done, and thoroughly believing that its work is basically and spiritually right is the strength required of us by the Lord. What I think is important about what she's saying there is that it's one thing to maybe sit around and say, well, are, are we unified? Do we agree on this abstract principle or this idea? It's another thing to say, here's a work that we all can agree God needs done. And, and when you have that work as a focal point and you're not just sitting back and waiting, but you're contributing to something altogether, I think that's mm-hmm. maybe that's part of what she, she hopes to convey in this talk is that it's unity leads to power that, that accomplishes work. What I think of today is the call to minister to the sisters and and brothers as well around us and families. And I think the vision that they want us to have is that by each sister watching over just a few other people, by doing that, the whole church membership can be watched over. I was thinking just this past Sunday, my ministering companion and I were kind of checking in with each other, you know, oh, we could do better. I'm sorry that, you know, I'm worried about the sister. Have you talked to her? And as we were having this conversation, my companion had reached out to someone that I hadn't been in touch with. And she'd reached out, you know, when this sister's dog had passed away and sent a text, just letting her know that we were thinking of her. And I didn't know that her dog had passed away and was so glad that she was aware of that. And she asked me, I haven't been in touch with this other sister. And I said, oh, don't worry. I, you know, I reached out to her and shared some dinner with her that, that we had made. And I think that was a really small example. We were both trying, you know, the best that we could to be unified and work together. And together we had done more than what either of us had done alone or apart. And I think of that in a small way, being an example of, of power that comes from unity. So that is a really great example. I mean, you say that it's a small example, but it's also just a natural way to live your life. You know, we don't have to try too hard to be unified if we're just doing these small, natural things to, to look out for each other. So I just have a question. What are some challenges to unity as we think of how, to, how should we implement this message? What are some challenges mm-hmm. to being unified? In fact, this this theme of unity and coming together across differences is one of the most common themes that you discover and you see when you do a lot of, of, of reading about the lives of church members in our history. So, for example, on that Global Histories project that I mentioned, we hit on this theme again and again. One of the examples I always think of is the example of the saints in the Netherlands after World War II who have some real challenges to feeling unified with their brothers and sisters who live in Germany. 
and you can imagine what some of those challenges might be after uh, a half a decade of, of war between these two nations and maltreatment and, and just, just the, the challenges that, that those members in the Netherlands are facing at the end of the war. There are some obstacles to unity that they have there. And then even within their own wards and branches in the Netherlands, they had a lot of obstacles to unity, challenges, because you had people that during the war had uh, cooperated with the, the enemy and others who had resisted. So there's even a, a great story of, of a sacrament meeting where the, those who had uh, resisted and and those who had uh, cooperated would sit on different sides of the room and wouldn't sit next to each other. Uh, if one group partook of the sacrament first, the other was hesitant to partake of the sacrament just because there was just such a, a, a division there. Uh, and one of the things that church leaders did to try to encourage uh, overcoming those challenges was was to start a, a project to to grow potatoes together. And in part, that would uh, provide food, which was a need at that moment. But it was also a way of just getting people to work together for a common purpose. To you know, that it's that idea of having uh, a work uh, to do together. And so they did, and they planted potatoes, and they got together. And then what happened was, uh, as the harvest was happening, they were uh, asked to donate most of their potatoes to the German saints. And that was another moment where they had that, that tested their ability to feel that sense of unity. And then they did. They sent the potatoes to, to Germany um, in, in spite of, you know, how, of, of some of those feelings of mistrust that existed. And this ended up just being a moment of healing. Before there were these, these hard feelings, that the, those were smoothed over just through this act of charity. And the German saints were so grateful because they were in a, in a very difficult situation as well. Uh, and they reciprocated later and sent supplies to the Netherlands uh, uh, during a flood about five years later. And so you, you, you see them through charitable action, it, you know, finding ways to overcome those challenges and creating a unity that, that didn't exist before. That is such a beautiful example and a reminder of how real the challenges of unity are and that they can be overcome. And as you were speaking, I was thinking one of the real, I think, keys to developing unity or, or one way that it can be done is serving together yeah. and that and the power that comes from that. And that's a perfect example of that. And we see that throughout the church all the time. I mean, think of a time when you've been working on a service project, standing next to someone or working with someone, and you develop this bond and this connection with them. Let me say one thing. Mm -hmm. When they started building the Relief Society building right after the war, there were 100,000 Relief Society members. Relief Society grew to, I think Louise Madsen says, about 250,000 in her talk. This is by the early 1960s, right? And that's that that's growth that kind of keeps pace with the growth of the church during that time period. Today, we've heard a recent estimate that the Relief Society is comprised of as many as 7 million women worldwide, which is a, a tremendous difference. Uh, and part of that's due to the, to the growth of the church, and part of that is due to a shift in the early 1970s, where, whereas uh, before 1971, you subscribed to be a member of the Relief Society and you paid dues. After 1971, all women in the church over the age of 18 were members of this organization by default. You think about how overwhelming in some ways that must have felt to these women. As You get a sense that really society leaders in that moment were grappling with this very question. Like, how do we maintain unity? What about the women who feel a little bit less uh, inclined 
you know, what do we need to do to reach out to them? How can we create unity in that situation? And so that has been like one of the, the signature uh, challenges and, and triumphs in, in a lot of instances of the Relief Society really over the last maybe uh, 50 years since, since Louise Madsen's time. Mm-hmm. So just as I read and pondered this talk, uh, something that I felt like I could start doing immediately just came from how she opened and concluded her talk. Uh, she says that before Jesus Christ entered the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that we all might be one. And I just think that's such a powerful message of unity and knowing that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ have asked us and they expect us to be unified. And so I just think that, you know, being united doesn't mean everyone is the same. Everyone brings so much because of their experiences and and their personalities. And so one thing that I just thought I could start doing today and start changing today and be better at is getting to know the Relief Society members in my own ward and in my own community. As I was reading the talk, I thought about how this is speaking about unity, you know, in a church setting, but how important unity is in a family setting, in a professional setting. This concept can be applied anywhere, that as a group is unified, they can accomplish more together. There's power that comes from that. So in thinking about my family relationships and and other relationships, the power that could be there if I made a little bit more of an effort to be unified. And a really simple kind of silly example is my husband and I are working on our yard right now. We're wanting to plant some things. And it was funny because one day I went to the guard store without talking with my husband. I picked out some plants that I wanted to plant. They were vegetables, starters. The very next day, my husband went to the store and he picked out some ornamental grasses. <laughs> and we're, we're looking at all these plants that we have thinking, why didn't we talk beforehand about what our plan for the garden was? Because we now have this assortment of different plants and there's not really a plan for our yard, which is there's only one yard. We have to figure out how to use all these plants now in one yard and how easy it would have been to have a conversation and plan beforehand so we could be unified. And this is a a silly example, but I think an example of had we had a plan beforehand, had we been a little more unified in our vision for something as silly as a a yard or a garden, it can make it more productive or it can make it more complete. And I think that can be applied in various settings, both our family and and professionally. B.H. Roberts used to say something that I've always found really useful he and I, I don't know who originally said this quote it's not his quote but he he would use it a lot and he would say uh, in essentials unity in non-essentials liberty and in all things charity so as we're we're striving for that unity that that principle of charity will just keep coming back again and just the constant vigilance and effort we need to make to, mm. to achieve this goal, which can lead to such great power. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be exactly what I want it to be. And that doesn't mean that it won't be a success and that power will come from being unified versus just having it be done the way I want it to be done. In conclusion, Louise Madsen taught, beautiful are the bonds of sisterhood, uplifting are the ties of friendship, glorious is the work of thousands of sisters united in righteous purpose. Humbling is the realization that it is the Lord's work we are to do. Thank you so much, Matt, for sharing your insights and experiences with us and those amazing stories from the history of the church. 
And thanks to everyone listening to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to leave a rating or a review and share with friends and family this episode or others that you've listened to and enjoyed. And we would really love to hear from you what your thoughts and, and ideas are. So send us your comments and your feedback. You can send those to podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. And as a reminder, At the Pulpit is available in its entirety on the Gospel Library app and online at churchhistorianspress.org. And it's actually in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. And we invite you, our listeners, to use At the Pulpit as you study, speak, teach, and lead in the gospel. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks so much for listening.